0: found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Back on primetime action, Tuesday night at the South Point Hour, number two, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, and Kelly Bidlin. little NL East preview coming up, our first of the six divisions in baseball. But first, an update on all the scores. It's not looking too good for the Lakers early here.
4: Uh, yeah, that score, end of first quarter, is 43-25 to 25 Mavericks. So, uh, the, we don't even have live numbers up. Oh, now we do. 20 and a half. Mavericks, 20 and a half point live favorites, 231 and a half. The live total end of the first, Once a, first uh, quarter. First quarter,
5: Luca went 17, 5 and 5 in the first good. quarter. So that's a pretty good half game 17, for most people. Five and five
2: on pace for sixty-eight, twenty and twenty, <laughs> <laughs> which would be the greatest game of all, of time. all time. yeah so we we're, we're, we could be watching it, guys. Ten to one on the Lakers now, if you want to get in. <laughs> for to uh, Sixers
4: up on the Bucks, fifty-one to forty-four. Uh, Sixers laying four and a half live, two twenty-seven and a half the live total. I might jump in on the Bucks live at some point in this game, but I'd like a little bit more points than that. Uh, Bulls up on the Wizards, 49 to 46. Looks like about 45 seconds left to go in the half. Uh what's you got? Bulls laying four and a half live and two eleven and a half the live total. Pistons lead the Nets 32 to 27. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Nets eight and a half point live favorites, two forty-two and a half. The live total over on the ice bunch of games going on, a bunch of scoring going on. Panthers up on the Canadiens, 2-1, to one, end of the first period. Uh, Panthers minus 900 live. Canadiens plus 500, 7.5-year live total. Penguins lead the Rangers 1-0, to nothing. second period just about to get started. Penguins minus 400 live. Rangers plus 275, live total set at 5. Maple Leafs lead the Bruins 3-1, first intermission there. Maple Leafs minus 360, Bruins plus 250. Eight and a half your live total in that game. Hurricanes up on the Lightning, one to nothing. First intermission there. Uh, Hurricanes minus 175 live. Lightning plus 130. Live total set at five, juiced to the over. Islanders up on the Blue Jackets, two to one at the first intermission. Uh, Islanders minus 360 live. Blue Jackets plus 245. Live total set at seven. And the one NIT game going on. St. Bonaventure and Xavier. Xavier this, uh, leading this one at halftime, thirty-eight to twenty-three. Xavier, ten and a half point live favorites, one thirty-three and a half
5: the live total. Kelly, before we get going here in the in L East, this Pistons team, I understand they're twenty fifty-five. They're gonna get they're still fighting. They're gonna get a high pick. Mm-hmm. So now you add let's just let's say the ping pong balls fall in their way fall their way. Yep. And they get one of the like top 2 picks in the draft. Like when those conversations going. You add that to Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey. Yep. Maybe they make one free agent signing. Uh-huh. I think this is a playoff team.
4: And, and Matt, what we said on on this show, roughly a year ago <laughs> of this time, that Gil's been laughing about forever.
5: I think it's a playoff team. As we said, maybe two years from now, yeah. this team is a playoff team. But I mean you've seen stepping you've, out on a list. You've seen Sadiq Bay like you've seen his We've game nailed improve. It, Gil. You've seen his game improve over the course of the season, right? Yeah. I think Cade Cunningham was was as good as, as people thought, you know, in a rookie season on a bad uh, team. He was better than I expected, yeah. actually. And now you add if again if the ping pong balls go their way and they get, you know, a top two or three pick in this draft and you add that in and they can make just one not even splash free agent signing, just a, a good solid player to add in on that team. I think that is a playoff team.
4: Yeah, I think the, the other big one that they got, you know, picking up Marvin Bagley during the yep. season, you know, still a guy who's, he, he, things just didn't work out in Sacramento, but still a young guy with a lot of, you, you would think a lot of potential. He's been a pretty big factor for this team once, they got, uh, uh, once he got over there in Detroit. So, Yes, I'm with you, Matt. I think roughly a year and a half ago, me and you called this. Two years from now, Gil, go watch out for this team. Now we're down to a year. We're down to a year from now.
2: Let me just get this straight so we're on record. Play off or play in? Ooh.
4: play. Well, play I'm, in that results in a playoff team. Well there you done.
2: go. Wow. Whew. You guys want to do two more segments on that? or <laughs>
4: I think we're good. <laughs> okay.
5: Uh, (laughs) Someone in Detroit's like, yes, yes. I love it. We got Michigan fans
4: out there. Gil
2: always shuts it down. I want Pistons Radio for three segments. (laughs) I love Kate Cunningham. I do. Um, All right, NL East. Let's begin. Let's talk some baseball. Baseball just around the corner. It's, uh, you know, less than two weeks away now. Braves, the defending champions, the defending World Series champions, are the short shot to win the division at plus 140, but the Mets are nipping at their heels there at plus 150. The Phillies are at plus 380. It is a three-team top-heavy division, to be sure, with the Marlins at 15-1, to and the, we are clearly not trying to do anything this year, as witnessed by our moves last year, Nationals at 50-1 to to win the NL East. You see the numbers to win the league, the pennant that is, uh, to win the World Series, and you see the win totals along with the yes nos to make the playoffs with the Phillies on the Yes nos being really as close to a coin flip as you can get 90 and a half for both the Braves and the Mets on the season wins 85 and a half for the Phillies 76 and a half for the Marlins and 71 and a half for the Nationals Should we start with the Braves sir
5: Yeah let's let's start with this Braves team that is I think kind of under the radar still really 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 good and and I think that you know there's a couple of things that with the lockout and with, you know, Freddie Freeman leaving that people think that this is kind of like, oh, well, they're they're not as good. But I would actually argue with the acquisition of of Matt Olson, by the way, they traded for Matt Olson, the first baseman from the A's. They send Christian Pache, one of their big prospects, out of town. But um, you get Matt Olson, who's younger, more power and a better defender than Freeman is. I, I think this is either a push or a, or a win for the Braves here in, in this thing. He's mm-hmm. not going to hit for the average that Freeman does, but once you, bring, once you factor in the defensive side of things, once you factor in the age side of things, and then the power boost that you get from Olsen, I actually think that this is either a push or even a, a win in getting him in there. And then you got to remember, they get Acuna back. They get Ozuna back. So this is a team that won without both of these guys, you know, last year in the free agent market. Kind of under the radar again because this happened on a weekend when other stuff was happening. Gill and I came in and didn't even realize they signed Kenley Jansen, by the way. Right, like like so, Kenley Jansen is in there with them, a veteran outfielder that can play all the positions, that can be a nice little fill-in guy. Eddie Rosario they signed. Colin McHugh is a nice middle reliever uh, that they that they can use out of the bullpen. They brought in Manny Pena as a backup catcher for them, right-handed reliever Kirby Yates as well to come in and and shore up the bullpen. So this team did make some moves to stay very competitive, if not, you know, definitely head and shoulders uh, above some of the other teams in that division, um, you know, arguably I guess you have to argue a little bit with the Mets and the Phillies that are, you know, really made some moves as well. But I mean, this this is a team here, Gil. That again, we're we're talking about you. You add Olsen. now, Acuna. Yeah, it's gonna he's gonna miss like the first three weeks of the season, but he'll be back. So Acuna will be back, and then Ozuna as well, who I think a lot of people didn't really realize was gone dealing with his his personal issues and stuff like that. So this is now. A major, major, major addition that you get back to a team that was already super strong to begin with. So I understand why they're the short shot there, despite, I mean, we'll talk about the Mets in just a second, is, is to, to the improvements that they made or whatever, but I, I get why they're the short shot. I understand why they're pretty short to win the World Series, and I get why their win total is as high as it is.
2: Yeah, uh, Matt Olsen, you plug him into the third spot right behind Ozzy Albies. Acuna will be there in about a month, projected anyway. Uh, top of that rotation, Freed and Morton with Ian Anderson as your number three. Soroka still, you know, we'll see what happens in the future uh, with the great Mike Soroka coming back from the Achilles injury. But it's that bullpen, Matt. That's that's the part of this that I think puts the Braves once again in the conversation for me. It's because all that stuff is great. But Will Smith and Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson and A.J. Minner, as you mentioned, Kenley Jansen and Colin McHugh also, uh, a uh, a. A cog in that bullpen as well. So those are the names. If you remember the Braves' run to the World Series title, it was the shutdown bullpen that was really the stars of the show, and all those guys are intact. And so to me, any conversation, and most people would would obviously agree with this, any conversation atop the NL East has to start with the defending World Series champs because the bullpen is intact. And I, it's hard, as hard to say what you did that Olson could be an upgrade. He certainly doesn't feel like a downgrade at that position. Yeah. Hard to say anybody uh, replacing Freddie Freeman would be an upgrade, but he certainly doesn't feel like a downgrade. Olsen doing so many things in Oakland, now going to a more favorable ballpark. Let's
5: the 90-and-a-half, just so you – so uh, the Davenport, if you kind of look at these projection systems, the Davenport system has them at 92 wins. Pakoda has them at 91.8, so right at 92 wins as well. And then Zips, which is Fangraph's projection system, has them at 91.9 wins. So the numbers – pretty much right on where the projection system is, so I don't think it's bettable, really, to yeah. go the, the over on the Braves. But if you're if you're more bullish than the projection systems are on the Braves, the projection system do at least have them going over that ninety and a half and a half number.
2: We only have 90 seconds before the break, so let, why don't we just do the Nationals at the bottom mm-hmm. uh, at 71-and-a-half? The Nationals, who obviously most famously traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers last year, but also traded other players as well. They are essentially a lineup that is Juan Soto and everybody else, though they did add a bat in Nelson Cruz to protect him, but one would think that if, if Nelson Cruz plays well, he'll get traded at the trade deadline, as probably will a couple really good arms in the bullpen as well if they perform. So the Nats aren't trying to win baseball games this year, and again, like like I said, if anybody performs, goodbye in July.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really is kind of a bummer here, and this is the reason why I think that, that Juan Soto... You know, reportedly rejected the 13 year, $350 million extension that they offered him as well. You mentioned Nelson Cruz. They brought in Alcides Escobar as well. They brought in Cesar Hernandez. But these are all just kind of like band aids, right? I mean, these are dudes that are all signing one year small money deals. They brought in Steve Sishek, who's been a closer before. He's been just an eighth inning guy. Uh, Sean Doolittle they brought back as well. But these are all not really difference makers. They're all just kind of like fill in the lineup guys. I mean, you know, Cesar Hernandez is is projected to lead off for them if that tells you anything as to where kind of this team is right now. So I understand why they're as long as they are. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams probably in the the NL um, Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. And as you mentioned, if anybody actually does perform
2: well outside of Soto, they're probably going to be on the move anyway. So And uh, and their projected starters to start the season, Corbin and Gray at the top. Yes, maybe. Best case scenario, they'll do well, but what we've seen from Corbin hasn't really been all that exciting. We'll do the Mets, Phillies, and Marlins next. Beeson's primetime action.
7: Yeah, I, yeah. Because you gotta think, Love he's gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of it,
5: like that, see that,
1: ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella. Point game. I remember mean, you came to my room, crying tears, <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And he's, he's going to withdraw
7: us about winning. Remember what you know? I told you? I said, I said, O. Oh, G. You think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Did I admit?
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on v the
0: Sports Betting Network.
2: Make predictions to win cold, hard cash, then chill, play free. During college basketball's biggest tournament with the March Hoops Challenge, presented by Coors Light. Join 10 free-to-play pools for your shot at a share of $4,000 in daily cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Coors Light March Hoops now to join the action. Coors Light, perfect shot of refreshment. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Skill Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin. Might have thrown them off with the promos. I'm faking out on the promos. I think I am downstairs. Yeah, rescheduling. Yeah, rescheduling. All right. Um. All right. We continue with the National League East preview. Oh, by the way, loser video for me because Danielle freaking Collins got rolled by Naomi Osaka. Rolled six two six one. And Matt, you were saying off air, which I think is right. Better for women's tennis. Well, she does well.
5: Well, especially with Ash Barty now, well, yeah. now retiring, right? Like it, getting yeah. someone else in there that yeah. maybe on a you know tournament by tournament basis is going to be a true contender and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's better for the sport as a whole for sure. One bet, no big deal. But I, you know,
2: oh no, 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 get... I, I agree with the point yeah. entirely. Totally agree with it. Totally agree with it. And, and Naomi, if Naomi is playing like Naomi can, this is going to be an awesome rest of the miami open because you do have iga still in it you do have bedosa still in it so it's a uh, clash of titans at the top what about the mets the mets who are the uh, second short shot here just behind the braves and the national league east the mets story for years has been an extremely high payroll extremely high rate of injuries we're talking about five six years going now and unfortunately for the mets Just an underperforming on expected wins and what their actual wins end up being based on all kinds of metrics, including um, base runs, which is kind of like sequencing poor luck. Um, it's just been a horrible stretch for the Mets. It seems to happen each and every year, but it does start now with a a owner here in the last few years that is willing to open his pocketbook and hope that those kinds of things turn around and namely at the top that Jacob deGrom stays healthy.
5: Yeah, I mean, they hire Buck Showalter as manager. They acquired Chris Bassett from the A's. Of course, the A's are just trading off everybody, but they, they acquired Chris Bassett. From the A's, they signed Max Scherzer, three-year, $130 million deal. They signed Starling Marte, four-year, $78 million deal. They bring in Mark Canoff as a two-year, $26 million deal. Eduardo Escobar comes in as well. Adam Adovino for the bullpen. So they were very, very active in the offseason. And, you know, you're talking about why are you bringing up, you know, that they acquired Chris Bassett. Well, it's kind of like an under-the-radar thing here, right, where – you go now where a rotation looks like deGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco. Bassett, 386 Sierra last year, a 1.06 whip, a 25% K rate with only a 6% walk rate. And you're talking about that guy as your number three or number four, depending mm-hmm. on how how good Taiwan Walker performs this year, and/or Carlos Carrasco. But you you're you're looking at a guy here that if he's your number four you are in a pretty good spot, especially when you're number one and two is DeGrom and Scherzer. So it is really, really impressive whenever you look. And then Marte, you get Marte. He is one of the few guys out there still stealing bases, right? He had a 383 on on-base percentage last year. He stole 47 (laughs) bases last year. So now your lineup looks like Brandon Nemo at the top, Starling Marte hitting second, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso. Now, Robinson Cano only has to hit DH, remember, because it's a universal DH game. So Cano doesn't even have to worry about playing the field. So, look, the old guy can still swing it a little bit. So he's hitting DH. Then you have Eduardo Escobar, Jeff McNeil, Mark Canna, way down in the eight hole a guy that you brought in at $14 million a year. So this is a super, super strong team from a rotation perspective, from a lineup perspective, so long as the health holds up for some of these guys that are a little bit older, right? I mean, Lindor's been around a while. We've seen some of his production decline just a little bit. We know Robinson Cano's in his 16th year or whatever it is in the, in the majors. So can he still get it done on the, on the level that needs to get it done? But, I mean, you do have Marte. You do have Alonzo. I think this lineup could be really, really dangerous, Gil. And of course, that you, you look at that rotation. I mean, it's just if if Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker even have like eighty percentile years of what their of what their cap could be of what their ceiling
2: is, this this Mets team could be really, really dirty. Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, especially Carrasco at his best, is just you know lights out. The issue, though, is you hear I can almost hear Mets fans listening to this saying to themselves, oh, haven't we heard this before? Yeah. About like a super-duper rotation, namely the DeGrom-Thor-Matt Harvey rotations of years gone by. Uh, this I should point out, you know, we have projection systems you alluded to a couple earlier. The Mets are all over the place. So at, at fan graphs, talking about like projected season wins, at fan graphs, well, let's start with prospectus. Prospectus, they're 91 and a half. Fan graphs are 89 and a half. But now there's there's other sites like the Elo measurements, right? 81.9 and then Davenport 78. Yeah. So you put those all in the mix and it ends up being sort of like an aggregate of 84 and a half. So which do you side more with the positive end of that or the negative end? Well, so these a lot of these projection systems will they put in, and they should
5: because it happens. But I mean, they so they put in a, a certain percentage of, of injury, right? Like, so they'll just say, like, okay, we're, we're going to project that this starting lineup that we think is going to happen is going to miss X percent of the time, and these ro- these guys in the rotation are going to miss X amount of starts, and that's how you get like a a projection like Davenport that's so incredibly off market, right? I mean, you know, twelve games off of market, mm-hmm. basically sitting down at seventy eight. But I tend to think that this team will do well because I don't always look at the you know the the injury side of things. Cause I think when once I start trying to predict injuries and I think I'm doing something wrong. Right. So I do think that this team is going to be super, super strong. I mean, listen, when you have that one 2 you are, you're ahead of the game, right? I mean, like when you have that one 2 that's going to be walking out there with DeGrom and Scherzer, it's going to be ridiculous. And if Bassett can even put together, you know, a, a shell of what he was over in Oakland and then Tyron Walker, again, Tywan Walker and Carlos Carrasco can kind of find what everyone saw in them five years ago it's um, it could be it. It'll be them in Atlanta, right? I mean, I know Philadelphia will make a case for them here in just a second, but with the way that if those teams perform, kind of in their in their upper range here, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough to beat.
2: Well, let's talk about the Phillies, who are in third place here in the uh, the division. Odds at plus three eighty, but have added bats have added names to the bullpen, arms, Corey Kniebel, Brad Hand, who was in Washington last year and then sort of uh, in the purge, went elsewhere and came back now to the Phillies in division. So I love what the Phillies are doing. This, This would
5: be the team where if you were like, okay, I hear what you're saying about Atlanta. I hear what you're saying about the Mets. I still want a Phillies ticket. I, it'd be very hard for me to talk you off of it with what they did. They acquired Garrett Stubbs from the Astros. He's a catcher um, to, to come in and he'll, he'll platoon there. Nick Castellanos joins them, five year, $100 million. This is a guy who hit 309 last year with a 362 OBP, hit 34 home runs, and had 100 RBI. So that lets you. He's 80
2: know. to 1 in the home run
5: market. Hmm interesting Yeah, that lets you know what you get in him. They signed Schwarber to a four-year $80 million deal. Schwarber hit 266 with a 374 OBP last year. He hit 32 home runs with 70, 71 RBI. So two massive bats added into that lineup that already had Bryce Harper as you remember as Gil mentioned, Cork Kniebel comes in. They're going to try to have him close. this. Remember, he was one of the best closers in baseball only a few years ago, had some injuries, stuff that he had to deal with. But one-year, $10 million deal with him. They brought in yours Familia for that for, the, for that bullpen. You mentioned Brad Hand as well, and uh, a utility infielder, and Johan Camargo, who can play all over the infield. Oduble Herrera can play all over the outfield. So any of these guys need a rest. He's able to go out there and and take over for them. If someone told me they wanted to have that Phillies ticket because, hey, you know what? what if an injury happens to whatever, you know, that brave starting line? What if Acuna doesn't come back as good as whatever? Yeah, What if DeGrom has to miss time again? Listen, I get all that. If you wanted to have a Phillies ticket, it'd be very hard for me to talk you off of it. That being said, I think the yes on the minus 120 to make the playoffs is pretty interesting and pretty appealing Mm -hmm. to me, actually. As we keep saying, Uh, expanded playoffs this year. There's going to be more teams making it. And, again, when you just talk top to bottom strength in rosters – this is this is going to be one of those rosters. It's very hard to beat from for a lot of that's what so I said. I, this division, I did not give enough respect to this division. This I'm with division's you.
2: really good. I'm with you. What if somebody said they wanted a ticket on the Marlins? What would you tell them?
5: Well, I this is probably the team that surprised me the most when I was doing the research because it was just one of those teams that I guess I had written off. But they go out, they acquired catcher Jacob Stallings, who by the way won the Gold Glove last year from the Pirates. They they. Get Joey Wendell from the Rays, who, by the way, Joey Wendell plays all over the infield. He's also an all-star, just kind of under-the-radar type deal with this. With Joey Wendell. They signed Avisel Garcia, they signed Jorge Soler, and, and they extended Sandy Alcantara. So he's going to be there, and he's going to be happy. Garcia hit 29 bombs last year. Soler hit 27 bombs last year. Again, Jacob Stallings, as I mentioned, was a gold glove winner as well. I think this Marlins team, I think the play that I like on them, maybe not necessarily gill from from a make the playoff standpoint cuz I don't think that that I think that's being a little aggressive. But I think that win total is fairly interesting to me on this Marlins team. I think with that rotation that they've got with all those young arms and it seems like they were willing to spend some money, so maybe they won't just be sell maybe they'll maybe they'll try to acquire some guys throughout the course of the season and maybe they'll try to make something
2: of this team. I think it's a division that will take Almost the full 162 games to settle. Remember, it kind of shifted hands lots of times last year. Braves certainly did not run away with the division. They surprised a whole bunch of folks in the postseason, but the Braves, Mets, and Phillies, three-headed monster for sure on top of the NL East. Dallin Cuff from Daily Wager joins us next for some college basketball talk. It's Prime Primetime Action.
0: You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Make predictions to win cold, hard cash, then chill. Play free during college basketball's biggest tournament with the March Hoops Challenge presented by Coors Light. Join 10 free-to-play pools for your shot at a share of $4,000 in daily cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Coors Light March Hoops now to join the action. Coors Light, perfect shot of refreshment, 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Uh, Looks like the Lakers may give up 80 in the first half. Are we on the cusp of that? Well on their way, 79 79 to 52 the 52, 45.1 seconds left in the first half. The LeBronless Lakers, with a loss tonight, are on the outside looking in of not just the playoffs, but playoffs? the play in. Hey. Oh, man. But, but. Westbrook has 14 of
5: those points.
4: Actually, 15. <laughs> and 15 Monk, of those points. The
2: league Monk go. has nine. So we're both looking good there, right there now. We go. We're looking okay. Westbrook was 19.5. How much was Monk? 16.5. Uh, all right. All right. Could be lining. What could possibly go wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he comes to us from Daily Wager to talk some college hoops with us. I uh, always love having him on. It's Dallin Cuff. How you doing, Dallin?
7: Kale, you guys are cracking me up, uh, partially because I just did the same thing about 15 minutes ago. I go, you know what? It's college season's wrapping up. I like to be, like turn into being a fan of the NBA, just a fan of basketball again. Let's see what's happening in the Lakers game. It's 71-44. to 44. I said, well, we're off of this. Let's go back to the money. Like, it was just... It's a debacle. So I was like, okay, we'll find another game another
2: night. Are you on anything in this Xavier uh, St. Bonaventure game in the NIT?
7: Uh, No, I did not play that. I do like Washington State, though. Money line here coming up uh, shortly in the NIT. Um, I think that'll be an interesting game. Uh, I know Kyle Smith's team, their their mission was to get back to the Garden. I say back to, because he uh, he was at uh, Columbia. That's where I met him. That's my alma mater. Uh, He was coaching there for a long time. I know he was pumped about getting back to New York and getting his team here from the very start of the NIT which is always a tough thing with motivation, guys. And I feel like I have wagered on Washington State a number of times because I knew how like his team wanted this and they were into it. I think that's part of the battle with the NIT is your team really want it and they into it. A and M is too though, but I do think Washington State don't handle the ball and handle the pressure well enough against A and M. They need to score off turnovers. Uh, so I think it's like a point and a half or so. I got the money line of plus one twenty a little bit earlier. I think it might be around that 115, 125, depends where you're looking. Um, but that's that's my play for the NIT here with the, with the Cougs coming up shortly.
5: Well, Dallin, let's go ahead and look forward to, uh, to to Saturday and first game, Villanova and Kansas. I do see on our little cheat sheet here, you are on Kansas cheat as four-point favorites. What do you like about the Jayhawks in this one?
7: Well, Matt, this isn't – I mean, the Jayhawks are playing better, and they're defensively the last month or so. But really, that's where their issue has been. Offensive, they are an elite offensive team. You know, top ten in the nation, offensive efficiency all year. But the time, defensively, they had lapses. They've been – it times they say, "Hey, we can outscore you. So if we give up a basket, we don't really care." Um, and that mentality seems to be different. Their uh, their their habits seem better. Their focus seems to better. And this is a, a lot of the same guys that were an elite defensive team last year. So you knew they were capable of it, and they've gotten back to that. Um, it's as it, much of that as it is. I think America is going to realize how good. Like the public is going to realize how important Justin Moore is, and that will be the reason that I think the line's going to keep moving. I got it at minus four when it opened. I know it's a four and a half now. A lot of places I've seen. I feel like it's going to keep moving as the public becomes more aware of, A, how little depth Villanova has. Jay Wright is one of the best coaches. if not the be best coach in the country. They have burned on the best culture in the country. But that can't necessarily replace the fact that they only played six guys. And now Caleb Daniels is going to come into the starting lineup, and now they really don't have anything coming off the bench. And those guys are going to have to produce at a high level. They're going to have to control tempo, which is really hard to do against Kansas, as you saw in the Miami game in the second half. Miami did it in the first half, could not do it in the second half, and that became a, an absolute boat race situation. So I feel like that, that line's going to keep moving, and I like Kansas to win that game. If Justin Moore was in it, I think it would be different. He's their second-leading scorer. He does have – he shoots 26% of the shots. He's their best perimeter defender. Like, you miss those things. You can't just replace that stuff. And I know Coach – I know listening to Jay the last couple of days. he's got – they have a week to prepare, which is abnormal to have that much time to kind of figure things out. I just don't think you can necessarily overcome that. And at that line at four points, so I think we're looking at a seven- or eight-point game. That I like the Jayhawks.
2: I noticed you stayed away from the total of one thirty-two and a half, and I'm just curious. Without Justin Moore, as you point out, uh, with the ruptured mm-hmm. Achilles, you know, Villanova beat Houston fifty to forty-four the other night. It was like an in-game undering fest. And know. <laughs> it was just, they would just use the, and they bleed the whole shot clock, kind of understood why. Uh, obviously, if they fall behind here, they can't do that in the same way. But one would hope, or one would think anyway, that part of Jay Wright's strategy, if they do in fact have a nip-and-tuck game or even are lucky enough to be ahead, that they would do some of that as well. The, you think that number is right, though? You don't, you're don't? you not touching it?
7: I don't want to mess with that. I feel much better about the, about the side just because, yeah, Kansas is going to get me... I think Villanova's going to get their tempo. They're bottom ten of the nation in tempo. Uh, that's how they play. They play with a small margin of error, slow pace. Got to make, got to make threes, guys. That's how they only score fifty points. They didn't make many threes. I think both those teams shot under thirty percent. Let's be real. Nobody enjoyed that game. Only reason I enjoyed it is I had the under. Right. Other than that. I mean That, <laughs> Me that was too. a tough watch yeah. the other day. Um, but it was it was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. But again, I think Villanova will get their tempo, so they can keep it. They can keep it. Relatively close in terms of the, in terms of that maybe that number. I still think though if Kansas does get if they don't make shots and Kansas is able to get that ball off the rim, they're going to get up there. And they may be able to score even McCormick. Sometimes with Dixon, he, if he gets in foul trouble, they have nobody behind him to, to guard and the and in the, in the interior. I just feel like this is not. It's a tough matchup to begin with, and you take away one of their key players. Um, I know that would lean to okay, maybe there's an under, but. I can't, what if, I can't see Kansas boat racing them. Like, I could see that happen. Like, if, if they don't make shots and Kansas is able to get out in transition, it seems highly unlikely. But I just don't – I just, again, I don't love the total as much as I feel really good about the actual side.
5: Dallin, we look at the NBA box scores all the time, and we say, you know, a lot of times you can just tell how the game is going to go by looking at, at how each team shot the three that game. Well, you know, outside mm-hmm. of Duke, outside of Duke in the Elite Eight, I mean, we're talking – some just epically terrible performances from from beyond the arc do you attribute anything to the the, the poor three point shooting in particular i mean no, nobody obviously was shooting the lights out you mentioned several of the teams were shot you know sub 35% from the floor just in general but is there anything you know just is it these different arenas is it just the the, the crowd the atmosphere the nerves whatever it is just to just to why these balls aren't dropping from beyond the arc
7: Good question. I would say some of it is because some of the teams aren't, aren't exactly elite three point shooting teams. I mean, Houston, well, Houston had made some, had made, shot it pretty well. So Villanova does shoot it well, but you look at Miami necessarily not a three point shooting team all the time. They, they make shots, but you don't necessarily want to live and die by that. So you look around; they weren't like the stellar three point shooting teams across the board. Duke doesn't shoot it that particularly that well. North Carolina does. Um, St. Peter's does not. So it wasn't like we see teams that were lighting it up. Um, I do think some of it is defense. Some of the – you're playing really good defenses. Without a doubt, Carolina's defense has been much better as of late. Duke's defense has been much better in the last three weeks. How their improvement over the last three weeks is kind of stellar, guys. Like how much they've grown up. And I do think Coach K is the GOAT for a reason. He throw, he's thrown in that 2-3 zone in the Texas Tech game in the second half with about the 13-12-minute mark. Same thing in the Arkansas game with a similar result. A team that took their rhythm, took their rhythm away, put them on their heels a bit. They've got good length. They had good activity in that zone. And it's different than when they had to go to the zone throughout the course of the season earlier, where they got battered into it. Whether it was at Florida against Florida State, against UVA, where they literally couldn't guard them, so they had to go, had to go into the zone. You didn't really see that in these two games. There's more that okay, we're doing fine, but let's let's throw a curveball at them, and that definitely helped them because they when they get stops, when you get stops, you get the ball off the rim. They can really get out in transition, man. And almost every one of their guys, except for Mark Williams, is a, is a rip and run guy. They're grabbing it and they're they can go with the ball, and that is a. As a transition defender, that makes things really hard. You're sprinting back and you're trying to identify who's who and who's where. But when anybody can get it off the rim and go, sometimes your balance defensively can be a little bit off. So um, I think we didn't have that great a shooting team. To answer your question, I will say this, though. because Those are all normal arenas. Those are NBA arenas they played in last week. This week is in the Superdome, which, I mean, I, I've shot in, in Final Four venues before. Not, of course, never in a game. But have just shot to see. It's, it's weird. It feels weird. And we played, actually, I played at Princeton has a similar setup. They have a whole indoor track on one half of their in- gym. So you're shooting into, like, a black abyss on one side. The other side, you're shooting into stands that have a similar color orange uh, seating. And that does mess you up. Like, you have to, you have to become acclimated. to That shoot is important. The practice the day before is important. And the, and the dome feels, the air is different. Like, there's all these factors that can play into teams struggling to make shots. And then you add in the pressure of the moment, final four, this is one, one and done. It's hard, man. So I wouldn't be surprised if we, don't, if we don't see teams shoot it that well. But we have seen – it's not the teams that have come before, but there is an element, I think, coming up the final four that you always have to take into account more so than the rounds previous.
2: It's an it's an excellent point, Dallin. Before you go, minute left here. Uh, most outstanding player. Then I guess this would have to sort of dovetail in with your handicap for who wins it all. But Paulo Banquero of Duke is the short shot, plus two seventy five. Ochai Baji of uh, Kansas is at five to one. Then you have a couple of Villanova ball players right after that. Uh, Armando Bacot for North Carolina, the short shot for the heels. What do you like here? That's
7: it. I haven't looked at this. Do, do they have a line on, on Caleb on Brady Mannix or Wendell Moore? Brady
2: Manick 20 to 1, Wendell Moore not listed. He's longer than 25 to 1 for sure.
7: Wow. I think that's interesting just because I, I know, though, and, and people voting for these things tend to just get obsessed with the numbers. Brady's, bear in mind, Brady almost put a, would have put a 40 in that Baylor game, guys. He got kicked out of the game with 12 but 10 minutes to go. He had 26, and he was on fire. Like this guy, he's really getting good looks, and he's shooting in an electric clip right now. So if you want an, out, an outside shot, if you think Carolina can do it, which. Hey, I, I don't think it's impossible, which is, I mean, the way they're playing right now, the fact they already beat Duke, there's no, they're not scared of them, they're not concerned with that. I, I think that's an outside shot. I think the team that ultimately does win it, I think is going to be Kansas because I'm giving them basically, I think they have an easier shot to win the first game, to win the second game. So if you want to put some money on Boji, that might be a good play because for him to win it, he's got to be great.
2: All right, and Wendell Moore, by the way, 25-1 to 1 if you're scoring at home. 25-1. to 1. Da, uh, Dall- That's we, interesting. Just saying. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. do well. Dallin Cuff, everybody, at D-A-L-E-N-C-U-F-F, Dallin Cuff on Twitter. We'll come back. Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA next.
7: I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because you ain't it?
1: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VCN, the sports betting network.
2: Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup. Look at breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast. The official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound like, uh... What was uh, Jim Carrey's character in, uh... Living color, the fireman guy. Oh, I got no clue. Uh, I said it like that. Before my... Chiz, why is I... I don't know what happened to me. James Harden with 25 tonight. 25-5-8 and eight for the Sixers. Sixers up on the Bucks, 85-79, with uh, 33.6 left in the third quarter. In a game that will... Uh, have teams jockeying for seating, jockeying for position in the Eastern Conference.
4: Yeah, I made a second half bet on this game. You sorry, you guys are really deep in the NL East convo, so sorry. I didn't want to break in. But yeah, I'm laying three second half of the Bucks. Train, you know, that's about plus seven live. So right now it's a it's a push situation.
2: You know, that we talked about how we didn't... We talked to Dallin about the odds to win the most outstanding player. He hadn't really looked at it before. And we were saying how we never bet this before. <laughs> yeah, we never bet it, yeah. But it's actually at this point, right? Like when we talk about MVP for the Super Bowl and we talk about like the year the Bucks won it two years ago, like, yeah, I'll bet Tom Brady if they win the Super Bowl because that's, you know, by proxy, a pretty good bet. It turns out that worked out. Um, we often say it about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, if the Chiefs are going to win it, maybe it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. So why don't we bet that? I, I wonder, you know, this is... This is not quite as clean, right, because there's no quarterbacks. Obviously, we're talking about basketball, so yeah. it's not – it doesn't have it. But I, I do think it is a pretty creative way to bet it. Now that we're down to the last two games, and you know, he said Brady Manning. I said Caleb Love the other night. I mean, if you
4: are zeroed in yes. on, like,
2: one team, yes. it's you might as well be splashing some of
4: this on it at this point. I think you're right. I think it's, 100%. I think it's the right time to bet it.
2: Yes. Not, not before the tournament.
4: Because that was even, even earlier. Like, even last week and stuff, the market was up. But I'm like, how can we, how can we talk about this before, you know, Sweet 16's even played? Like, there's so many, there's just so many options.
2: Yeah. it's um, for, the, for the long shots, makes a lot of sense. And I really do think, like, Caleb Love, a guy who had one game where he basically single-handedly beat UCLA. And if he has one more game like that and Carolina does get to the promised land, I think it's hard not to give it to him. Yeah. With apologies to Bacon. Uh,
4: the, the other bet I added on, oh, uh, j- I'm on the Jazz later tonight. Rudy Gobert is a go. Uh, he was questionable earlier, so that that line has kind of jumped the fence, gone to the Jazz side now. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich will be out. And then Ty Lue just said a little while ago, yes, Paul George is going to get the start, but he will be on a minutes restriction. Didn't give a number of minutes, uh, but... Let's see. Quote from Ty Lue: We're not gonna, we're not going to ride him too hard. It will be an adjustment period for Paul. So hmm. I don't know how many minutes that means, but it sounds like it could be a
2: a light uh, uh, situation of working him back in tonight. All right, it. you're all over the place now with these. All right, what about defensive player of the year in the NBA? We talked about MVP earlier tonight. There's a straw poll taken where all of a sudden, in that straw poll conducted by Tim BonTEMPS over at ESPN, you had. Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid come up even at 100 total points in the 100 uh, folks that were polled to cover the NBA. Now, Jokic, read into it what you will, had more first-place votes, but those two, given second, third, fourth, and fifth-place votes, ended up tied. So that shifted the market today, legitimately shifted the betting market. There is no such straw poll for the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, but there is a whole bunch of price shopping we could look at anyway, where Marcus Smart now, in the absence of his teammate Robert Williams, is the short shot everywhere. It's like you It's like you spoke this into existence last night, yes. by the way. I, I, this market, every time
4: I pull it up, there's a different favorite I, at this point in the season. It's I, crazy. I
2: openly surmised, hey, you think if Robert Williams is out now, we should make you have a bet on Marcus Smart. Plus 160 at BetMGM and DraftKings, plus 110 at PointsBet. Then it's Bam, who has openly been campaigning. Plus two fifty at both BetMGM and jam and DraftKings, plus three seventy five at Points Bet. So Points Bet has Marcus Smart really with the widest margin for sure. Mikhail Bridges, Rudy Gobert, and Giannis. Rudy Gobert and Giannis, you've got to give it to every year if you wanted to, I guess. And then uh, a player that lots of people at this network have been trying to speak into existence for the better part of three months. Jaron Jackson Jr., who remains at sixteen to one and beyond. What do you think?
5: I mean, I don't think Marcus Smart should be the overwhelming favorite no, I mean by any stretch. Of and nobody breath. thought Maybe.
4: that until today,
5: yeah. like literally. Like, I Did just,
4: I
2: do that?
5: I mean, it's one of those things where you just look and you're like, okay. I mean, there's you can make a case, of course, that he's. I mean, he is, he's a good defensive player. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, everybody on that list. The reason, the problem, you know, the problem with this market kill is that. All those guys guard different types of people and like guard different positions and guard di- and like so yeah. they do something differently. And it's so, it's like there's a lot of times it's like comparing,
4: yeah. How, how do you compare McKill Bridges, who's a wing defender,
5: to
2: yeah. what Rudy Gobert Ru- does
5: down below? Right, right. Yeah. It's just so, it's so not, hard not just not to, mean, to say that he's not, better than that guy or yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah, not to mention that defense and basketball is a much more nebulous thing, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah and harder to measure. I think that... I I wanted to put this in here tonight,
4: really, because we talked about this Celtics situation a little bit last night, and more of... A, I would not play Marcus Smart. We keep seeing this 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 market shift as far as who the top guy is, top two guys, top two guys are. Bam's kind of been there for a while now, for the past couple months. But basically, even that, Gil, like you said, it, it would only really he shot up the odds board when he started openly campaigning for it. Right. So it's like you can't really bet on that either. When it's just a guy saying I should be the defensive player of the year. Yeah. So I. I really wanted to put this in here just to look at these, look how wild it is, and really say I don't know that I'd bet any of these. It, it, I would bet a long shot if anything if I was betting in this market because, like you, like you said, Matt, it's hard to compare some of these guys. Um, and it, I mean, if I had to make one, it would still be Rudy Gobert. And I know he's further down there, but I mean, he's still he's still I mean he's third in blocks. He's two point one blocks. Robert Williams was at two point two. Jared Jackson leading with two point three. Not exactly a huge difference there. Um, But, you know, he's still got Rudy Gobert still leading the league in rebounds per game, and it's by a whole rebound. Uh, You know, does rebound have directly linked to defense? No, not necessarily, but that seemingly always comes up in this conversation. Um, So I don't know. I I guess it would still be Gobert for me, but I think this is a market that I would be staying far away from as as opposed to some of these other uh, uh, awards markets in the NBA.
5: Nothing for you, Matt? Nothing but a winner video. You know what I'm saying? Oh, what'd you get? Westbrook with 20 of their 60 points. There you go. <laughs> oh, you got that at the half.
4: Yeah, he was 19 and a half. I'm sorry. You were there at the halftime. No, no, he
5: had 18. He had 18
4: and
2: a half. Oh. By the way, if you go to defensive win shares, just one defensive metric, right? Um, well, you have a few guys that barely played this year at the top. But let's go to the guys who have played a whole bunch. Jason Tatum. Would lead the NBA in defensive win shares,
4: and that even, but that even brings us back to what we were talking about yesterday. It's it's it is it has been a team defensive effort right.
2: for the for the Boston Celtics, and and Jalen Brown would be fourth. I was just like, so, say, Jalen Brown's probably up there somewhere. Yeah, Bam would be sixth, by the way. Bam would be sixth. Rudy Gobert would be ninth. Marcus Smart would be tenth. So you have three Celtics in that top ten. Like that's yes, wild. yes, you do. Is Robert
4: Williams on there, or do they take?
2: Or they? He's yeah. He's he's literally, he'd be thirteenth. Four Celtics in the top thirteen. That's pretty impressive. Um, But like, we don't consider Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown for an award like this, even though that metric has them (laughs) right at the top. Yeah, it's just. But but that's
4: it's another one. It's it's the. I don't think you're going to see. You know, we talked a little bit about Gerald Wallace last night. It's like you almost need that guy again, right? It, it's hard for a wing defender to really win this unless they're unless they're racking up a bunch of steals and blocks, and, and you're just not. You don't really see that 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 often anymore.
2: If, but to your point about Bamley, if Rudy Gobert came out tomorrow tonight, right? Let's say Rudy Gobert is like. I should be the defensive player of the year every year. Is that how he says as he talks by the way? <laughs> sure, yeah. The market would shift. Like, that's all it takes now. That's all it This market is different. People diff- would be like, you know what? He's right. You give it to him every year. It's been
4: different every time I've looked at it the past few weeks. It's, it's amazing. And Giannis is currently down on the court. I don't know how severe this is. He's getting He's up. He's all right. He's getting up.
2: He's all right. Giannis, okay. 91-83 Sixers over the Bucks. Just under 11 minutes left in regulation. Oh, wow. Danny Green almost... Uh, is that Danny Green? Almost got flipped. Somebody did. Nope. That's your Matt. Yep.
5: Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Wear video. The, that's, that's the only thing that's winning for the Lakers tonight. As uh, We are 924 left in the third. They are down 34 points to the Mavericks. Um, Malik Monk, I need you to keep shooting.
2: He's got 11. Here we go, 16 and a half. Let's get both of them. It's uh, not looking good the Lakers. Seven games left in the season after this one. They are
5: 31 and
2: 43. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't
4: good. I don't even know with, like, what do you do with these games, too? With with players like Westbrook, I mean, and I'll throw in Malik Monk and Austin Reeves and Dwight Howard. It's like, do you try to put them in the bench? Like, you can't. Like, you gotta try to do everything you can at this point to win a game. Uh,
2: I don't know. It's
4: weird. It is weird.
2: Right? Because it, it, it does sort of scream... Because there are Lakers fans who are like, let's please make the plan, right? They're dying for his. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you got to wonder. Sometimes you wonder if they care as the much Wizards as the Wizards have more wins than the, than the Lakers The too. Washington Wizards have more <laughs> wins. How's Denny Obdi do, doing, by the yeah,
5: way? Yeah, he quit scoring.
2: Oh, damn. Sorry about that. All right, Drew Densick next. Tennis, NBA, whole bunch next. v primetime action.